known that you may have heard of. How many of y'all are pumped and excited about the eclipse? You got your viewing plans, glasses, welding goggles. How many of y'all are pumped about it? And you've, you're, you've got the time set aside to watch this thing. All right. I f- almost felt like a few of you were like, almost like, that's oh, me. I'm one of those guys. Like, no, oh, it's okay to be proud of that. It's awesome. How many of y'all, being honest, could care less about the eclipse? <laughs> There's a lot. How, how, many, how many of y'all are, there's an eclipse tomorrow? I, I didn't know. It's going to say, invite us to your rock to visit you under next time you want to have people over. <laughs> well, uh, I'm one of those, like, I, I admit that sometimes I can be a non-risk taker. I want to show you, I posted this on social media yesterday. Here's my eclipse glasses that I'm wearing. I'm like, honestly, I'm so scared, I'm not going to watch it on TV. I'm like afraid to get blinded. All these warnings, and you got to get ISO certified goggles. I'm like, nah, I'm just going to not even think about the eclipse. I, I want to keep my eyesight. It is really cool, though. It's really neat to, you, there's, it's, it's rare that you have something that comes our way once in a century, you know, it's like, oh, wow. So I think that's why there's such a big deal. And I was kind of like impressed when I first heard about it that the best place to go watch it is Hopkinsville, Kentucky. I'm like, yeah, go Kentucky. All right. Uh, so I don't know. There's going to be all kinds of people down there uh, tomorrow. It's going to be crazy, I'm sure. But as I think about that, I think, yeah, there's something neat about experiencing something that's amazing, that is cool. It makes a mark on our life to be a part of something amazing. As I thought about that this week, I, I throw out on Facebook, I wanted to hear what people might, how people might respond to name something amazing that has happened to them in the year 2017 so far. It was really neat to see all the responses that, that people gave. Some of them were just being thankful for something that's very common day to day, but when you really stop and think about how common that is, it is a miracle. It is a blessing. There were stories that people told of once-in-a-lifetime drop-your-jaw miracles that they've literally experienced in their lives. It's pretty cool stuff. And I don't know about you, I never want to cease to be amazed. It's an incredible experience to be amazed. Think about that for a moment. Like, when was the last time you've really been amazed And maybe if for some reason it's been a while, it's time to ask God to help us to experience something that we've not experienced in way too long. Having said that, though, the question I want to start with as we look into God's Word this morning is this. What amazes God? What amazes Jesus? Now, my initial thought to that would be nothing. (laughs) He is the one that amazes us. He is the amazing one. We get amazed by him. Probably nothing amazes God. I would have believed that to be true until I saw Matthew chapter 8. So I want you, if you have a copy of the Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 8, or you can use your phone and swipe and gesture there if you want, or we will have these verses on the screen in just a few moments. Jesus met a lot of people, performed a ton of miracles while he walked the earth, We know this probably. You've heard about that. Maybe you've read about that. Uh, It was very common for people out of the blue to just hunt Jesus down and basically declare a great dire need that they had and ask Jesus to do something about it. And over and over again, when you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, you will see the way Jesus healed those people, changed those lives, performed those miracles. Some of them were very different. 
how he did it, but he would always go to that person, either touch them or speak to them or whatever, and you would see a miracle happen. Over and over we find that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But this one's different. There was a moment, a person, a man that approached Jesus, and what he did, what he said, literally blew Jesus' mind. So I want to read that with you, starting in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Nothing unusual there. This is what Jesus did over and over and over again in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. <laughs> Turning to those who were following him, he said, I'll tell you the truth, I've, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. All of Israel, including Peter, James, John, Matthew, those 12 that had left everything to follow him. I was like thinking, I'd probably feel a little sheepish if I was sitting there like, oh, what about me, you know? And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites... Those for whom the kingdom was prepared will be thrown into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. The one thing that blows Jesus' mind, the one thing that amazes Jesus is a little thing we talk about a lot called faith. Jesus is amazed by faith. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read the interactions Jesus had with his disciples and those who followed him, those who approached him, about seven times in the Bible we see Jesus saying this, O oh, you of little faith. He says that. It's usually after someone expresses doubt or especially when someone's afraid. And I think this is one of the things that really must bother God. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you actually are in a position to know what is true and know what has happened and have control over a situation, but there's someone that says, I'm scared, I'm frightened, I don't believe this is going to work out well, but you know that it will, and you're saying, just trust me, this is going to be okay. I promise you, I got you. I've learned more about what God must feel from being a dad than anything else. First time, walking out into deep waters with my kids and feeling their entire body tighten around mine like, uh-uh, no, no. I'm like, no, I promise, I got you, this is okay. You will be all right. Now, it didn't help that one time I was walking behind Molly and she fell into the pool and I'd go diving in, ruin a cell phone to get her real fast, you know. Maybe I broke trust there. But I'm not Jesus, okay? Um, but... This must be how God feels 
when we respond with doubt and fear. And I want to say to you, yeah, that's normal. I mean, we're, we're human. We're going to have doubts. We're going to have fears. And I say that all the time. And I find very great comfort from that, knowing that all of us in this room, yes, we've all been afraid. We've all doubted. We all struggle with belief. We struggle with faith. Everybody in this room does. But for just a moment, let's all feel a little sheepish hearing what Jesus said to that Roman soldier. Let's all feel like, wow, man, we could have more faith. In fact, even that sounds wrong to me because I wanted to to say to you this morning that what really amazes Jesus is big faith. Let's have big faith. Let's have big faith. But there was a a story of of a boy that had a demon and, and the disciples could not cast out that demon. Jesus did and then privately the disciples came to Jesus and said, what gives? Why couldn't we not do that? Here's what he says in Matthew 17, 20. He said to them, because of your little faith. Okay, yes, we need to have big faith, right? We need to have big faith. That's what really amazes Jesus. He's looking for us to have big faith. Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And the faith that he's looking for is that big. It's that big. Probably what he's really looking for is just actual faith, just real belief that we would actually truly believe. I try to imagine putting myself in the skin of someone that actually witnessed this Roman officer. Some of the English translations say Roman centurion. He oversaw a hundred soldiers and he also took orders as well. Seeing him approach Jesus and ask him to help him in some way, if we were to hear the whispers in the minds and hearts or maybe the literal whispers of the people that saw him approach, this Roman soldier, these soldiers at times would come and just literally wreak havoc upon these Israelites. I mean, they ruled. They could do whatever they want. They want to come along and take their harvest. They see him walking with a basket. Well, we declare that in the name of Rome. It's ours. Boom. The Roman soldiers were not looked upon pleasantly by the, the Jews. Not only were they Gentiles, non-Jewish people who were considered unclean and God has really no plans for those who weren't Jewish in the eyes of a good, faithful Jew. However, this Roman soldier approaches and said what he said to Jesus. And Jesus then threw shade at all the Jews around him saying, none of y'all have faith like this guy. I've yet to see faith like this. He's telling me, don't even come home. Don't even come to my house. Because I know you can do it. Jesus, I know you can do anything. Because if I can snap my finger and a soldier obeys me, then I know whatever you think or say or want will absolutely happen. Now that's faith. That's faith. And it blew Jesus' mind. And we need to have it. I want to challenge myself and every one of you why don't we start trying to amaze Jesus? I'll tell you what part of the problem is. The problem is we let some restrictions apply to our faith. You, have you ever experienced the, the, uh, the trap of a restriction, like in real life? Like you get this great coupon, that you're like, oh, this is awesome, I'm gonna get a great deal. And then you start reading the fine print, or you actually try to use it and they tell you the fine print, and you're like, oh, that's not even a deal. off if I buy like 50 of them before 11 a.m. on February 29th. 
You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's not a deal, you know? But, but we get frustrated when restrictions apply. I wonder just how frustrated the God of the universe must be when we come to him and we have restricted faith. We've let some restrictions apply to our faith. I like to call it the case of the I believe buts, which I know sounds weird, but hang with me, where I say, I believe, but I don't think you're going to move in this situation. I believe, but I don't expect you to heal. Think about that. How many times have that, has that, if we were really saying what we really believed, what we really thought, what we really felt, I believe, but I don't expect, I really don't expect you to do much here. I believe, and I'm praying to you, but I don't actually think you're going to come through. Or, I believe, but I don't deserve you to do anything, so I probably should just stop talking right now and walk away. Kind of what the Roman soldier was kind of saying. I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. We put restrictions on faith. I believe, but. And I can almost hear the voice of Jesus saying, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, Bill of little faith. I think he would like to scream that at us sometimes. Truth is, if I'm being honest, I don't have enough faith to move a dust bunny, let alone a mountain. Sometimes. I'll whisper a quick prayer and then go Google it. Do it myself. Figure this out myself. I think it's high time that I start trying to think about how I can even come close to blowing Jesus' mind with just a mustard seed-sized faith. We want to say we have faith and then think about how it's probably not going to work out and then explain away why it doesn't before we even try to have faith. You know what I think would help us? What I think would really help us is to know who we're talking to. The Roman soldier, this Roman officer knew who he was talking to. He really believed that Jesus was who he said he was. He really believed that he could do anything. He really believed that. And so therefore, he came and blew his mind, amazed Jesus with a request that he would never dreamed he would hear from anybody else on the planet. But if he thought he would hear it, he thought he would hear it from somebody who maybe have grown up in Jewish heritage who had heard the stories about Moses parting the Red Sea, David slaying Goliath, who might have some inkling that God can do anything, and yet here's a Roman centurion <laughs> who shows up on the scene and says, I, I, you don't even have to move a muscle. If you want it to happen, I know it will happen, Jesus. Don't even come to my house. When have I had faith like that last? He knew who he was talking to. Do you know who you're talking to? When you pray, the God of the universe who knows all about that eclipse happening tomorrow. Because here we are on planet Earth, which is a tiny little planet in the vast expanse of billions of galaxies. We're a tiny little planet, and then there's tiny little me and tiny little you. And the Bible says that the hairs of your head are numbered. Some of us give him a challenge with that. Some of us make it really easy for him. But he knows the number of your very hairs. 
He has counted every tear that has dropped out of your tear duct. The Bible says. And yet this vast universe, the Bible says, fits within the expanse and the breadth of his very hand. So why would I ever even try to put a restriction on my faith? Why would I even doubt that I could ask him something and he may not come through? And I could preach a sermon like, well, what happens when you don't answer prayers the way you thought he did and you said this and this didn't happen? And I know we can go there and there's tension and all that. Let's not start there. Let's start with actually coming before Jesus and saying, oh, Jesus, will you please fill in the blank? Whatever that is. Let's start there with no restrictions whatsoever. Here's what I want you and me to consider doing this morning. How about you find a way to amaze Jesus? You amaze Jesus with your faith and then step back and let him amaze you. How about that for a challenge this morning? Let that be your goal today. Say, okay, I can do what that Roman soldier did. Can you do that? Can you do what he did? Can you actually approach Jesus and ask him to do something and believe he can do it. Because if you do that, that's the one thing the Bible describes blows his mind. Have you blown his mind with your faith? And he's not asking for much faith. A grain of a mustard seed. So I believe this. Lots of cool things are happening. I love that we got our new worship schedule. We've created an, the, the ability to be able to reach more people for Christ by having more space available in this room for three hours. This Friday, we're going to have a banquet. We're going to kick off Rise Up and Build campaign. There's going to be some construction on campus. When it's all said and done, we're going to have better space to reach families for Christ like never before. It's a tool. It's what it is. It's going to be awesome. God is opening doors like crazy. I believe that he is going to do something amazing in families and in individuals. I believe that if all of us together remove restrictions from our faith and really begin to believe in Jesus, I mean really believe, I will, I'll say we'll see some things that will cause people to be like, what is going on? What is going on in Northern Kentucky? What would happen if the heroin epidemic was eradicated in Northern Kentucky? It would turn the heads of people all over this country and all over this world. What is happening there? And we'll say, we'll tell you what's happening there. Jesus, he's happening there because he can do anything. He can conquer addiction. He can heal your body. He can heal your heart and your soul and your mind. He can give you direction. He can move a mountain if you believe, if you have faith. So as we close our time together this morning, I would ask you this question. What is it you would ask Jesus today? Here's your chance. Pretend you're in line waiting for the Roman soldier to get done talking to Jesus. He asked him his request, and he went on. And now it's your turn. What would you ask? What would that be? Well, I got some ideas. <laughs> I would say this, if you're in this room today and you're thinking, man, I'm not worthy to even think about having faith like this, let me just tell you something right now. 
that symbol on that wall back there, that makes you worthy. Not for anything you've done, but everything Jesus did do. He died on a cross, spilling his blood, so that the Bible says, whosoever, what, believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And if you've yet to move on that truth, if you've yet to embrace that promise, if you've yet to really begin a journey of faith, then I would encourage you to approach Jesus and ask him simply to save your soul and forgive you of all your sins and mistakes. If you've been coming lately, you've been seeing week after week people getting dunked in water back here because they had made a decision to accept the very grace of God that he offered freely through the cross. I never will forget when my dad told me he finally took his first step of faith. I was in college and was out of town, didn't know what happened. He went to church and I asked him, tell me, what, what did that look like? He said he walked down and he said to the preacher, do you think he can even forgive me? <laughs> that, that probably blew Jesus' mind. <laughs> for just a moment like yeah that's why I did everything I've done so everything that is in this book happened was for that moment when you can ask and he says oh I've been waiting for you to ask for a long time you are forgiven and you're my child forever have you asked him that if you have maybe there's some other asks you need healing you need direction. You need strength. You need peace. You need a mountain to be moved. You need a giant to be slain. You need the waters to be parted. And I'm here to tell you, he can do it. Remove the restrictions and blow Jesus' mind right now.